had been arguing for like 20 minutes about whether Catholicism v. Protestantism <laughs> is still a vital conversation to have in the 21st yes. century. Yeah, I, I, for some reason I'm arguing a, a point that I have no, I have no skin in this game. So, <laughs> yeah. Yes, so this is Rumor Requirement episode 37. It's a podcast dedicated to reason and resilience in the time of Trump. I am Kamala Shrao and with me as always is... Miracle Jones. Um, so other than debating and thinking about Catholicism and <laughs> Protestantism, what have you been up to, man, and how have you been? Oh, not too bad, just, you know, uh, working a little, little bit, trying to edit a book and yeah. know, uh, enjoying the balmy weather, actually. Yeah. It was a little balmy today. Um, how about you? How about you? You're just coming, well, it's late and you're coming, coming from work. I'm coming from work. Well, I went to a, a conference or a meetup uh, after work, so that's um, that's what I do with my time. <laughs> Uh, was this was this paid or is this for fun? Uh, I paid for it. I paid five dollars <laughs> okay, to chip right. in for. Uh, it's a meetup. Uh, there's a pretty good tech meetup scene in New York City, and in particular one, I I follow a couple of them that I really like. So I went to one. Um, yeah, it was great. It was great. Uh, they convinced me that I need to spend more money <laughs> to learn more about yeah. something else. Yeah, exactly. About, about deep learning. Yeah, exactly. The, the multi-level pyramid scheme. But yeah, the whole point is that if I buy the books and then I get my friends to buy the books, I get the proceeds. That's how deep learning <laughs> and works. You can start to form a, a neural net <laughs> out of <right>. your friends. <laughs> yes. So yes, I went to a uh, meetup, and now I'm here. I am, and then I will slink off to bed in short order. All right, we won't keep you long. We won't no keep you long. Beyond just uh, what's going on in our lives, we're actually going to have a live show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're in New York, you should come to our live show next Friday uh, at Baby Castle's Art Gallery, uh, which is on 14th Street. Right, and so the show will start roughly around... Show, it's a long... It's The show The show that the show is a part of starts at like 7.30, but we probably won't go on until 9 or so. Okay. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so our second live show of Rumor yeah, Requirement. Yeah. Hopefully we'll actually record this one. Yeah, we'll so. see how that goes. <laughs> yeah. If uh, not, you know, that's it. That's how our live shows go. <laughs> you, 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 you have to be there. You have to be there. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, do you want to just transition to politics? Oh uh, Yeah, let's just talk about politics. Yeah, uh, and I, mean, I guess there's um, all sorts of palace intrigue with the yeah. Trump administration, which I find tiresome and uninteresting, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah the Rob Porter stuff. Yeah, yeah the Rob yeah. Porter stuff, how General Kelly, I think it's... I find it actually kind of galling how much we're willing to let us talking about the White House and how much we have access to it become effectively like a a pop culture reality show scandal of the week kind of. Yeah, like it's 2018. It should be baked in. Trump is bad at being president. Okay, he's bad at it. So like moving on, like what else can we do? Right, Right. and I I think we're also we're following... somewhat maybe not deliberately but following the contours of a reality show yeah. where dysfunction is the point let's kind of yeah, step li- away you know liberals are if to the extent that they follow it in this way they're kind of turning him into homer simpson they're kind of making him into a lovable doof you know? yeah and that's that's upsetting because the president being bad at being president does have consequences and looking right. at the you know, domestic and foreign policy ones on a regular basis now, especially now that it's baked in, that he is bad at it. This is what he brings, is chaos and bad management, stipulated. Now let's see how this has Along effects. Along with some pretty bad political instincts. Right, right, right. He's always going to do the dumbest thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I think maybe turning him into a sympathetic oaf is... Or some, like, some, like lurking reality show villain, right? Yeah, I think yeah. all of this is bad, right? Like, yeah. I mean, it's a shallow... 
I think we should be in an era where we're talking about ideology or debate or even, uh, heaven help us, pragmatic discussions about things that we could agree on. Yeah. Um, all of that is out the window when you revolve around personalities, right? Yeah, or just simply fighting in 2018 for your local Congress person. Right. You know? Like, fucking spend your time there. Like, yeah. You have something to fight for now. If you don't like this shit, get out there in the trenches. Like, yeah. volunteer. Like, find somebody or something to care about in 2018 because you have a chance to make it matter now. Right. You did it last year. Right. It made sense to give a shit about what was going on in the White House. Yeah. yeah. No power. Now, campaign has begun. Fucking get to it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so that's the palace intrigue stuff. I don't really want to spend that much time on it. Yeah. Uh, but I did want to talk a little bit about maybe the failure of the immigration debate. Did you see that? Yeah. yeah. So there were a number of bills presented. None of them passed. Uh, none of them passed the Senate, right? So you yeah. needed 60 votes. And I'm trying to remember why you needed 60 votes, but... Because McConnell doesn't want to break the filibuster. Right, okay, yeah. yeah. All right. So, uh, and the sort of the bipartisan one went down, I think it was 54 to... There were two bipartisan ones. Yeah. There was the Coons-McCain bill, which was just DACA, essentially. Yeah. And then there was a more robust one that uh, uh, offered a path to amnesty, plus $25 billion, yeah, $25 billion in a trust, which yeah. I, I thought was cleverly insidious. But, <laughs> uh, um, like, here, yeah, here's the money. Yeah. Yeah. you want but uh, so the second one I believe is uh, that one went down too and then yeah. there's the third there's the president's bill which right. calls for all four pillars and right. that was even less popular so. right um, so uh, actually the interesting thing is that the Democrats actually voted against one of the bipartisan bills right Kamala Harris came down mm -hmm. against I believe it's the DACA plus one yeah, yeah. Um, so why do you uh, so I, th I think I know the answer to this but doesn't that seem like a bad idea why was she voting against it i mean this is how i'm viewing it i'm i really don't know i'm in a position to be challenged here but i feel like the democrats are getting into a position where they can declare victory if stasis occurs and stasis is the most likely scenario in okay. all of these debates right yeah. like there's nothing trump's going to sign anyway right there's nothing well he's preemptively said that he wasn't going to sign yeah, anything yeah, unless yeah. it was the four pillars of uh, of El Presidente. <laughs> so he's not going to sign anything, which is a terrible place to negotiate from, right? Like, yeah. So what's even the point of like the democratic process if you're attempt if you're just going to veto anything, right? So there's no there's no bill that can come out of the House or Senate right now that will uh, meet with the president's approval unless it gives him his wall, right? Right. So. Or I think his whole thing was that he he wanted to end I think the chain migration. Yeah. Quote but, unquote chain migration. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, if he's coming from that position, as far as negotiations go, then he's, you know, he's already setting the stage where stasis is what's going to happen. Right? right. I think the point is whether or not you can actually counterbalance that and put pressure on him in some other way. Because he will certainly, Donald Trump's first negotiation instinct is to say, like, I want this, I will yeah. not bend, and bend. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, I don't think he. So there, uh, at some point, if the if it becomes an issue, right? If he feels like he's becoming unpopular um, with his base, which I think is <coughs> unlikely in this case. But if there was any reason to put pressure on him, he'll cave. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. But it's not going to be though. I mean, I think it's going to come from the right if it happens at all. Which right. I think the Democrats are, are aware of, and they're, right. they're, they're. I don't. I still just fundamentally believe the Republicans don't have any leverage on this. It seems like they do. People talk about it like they do, but. 
what the fuck leverage do they have? They have he's intentionally set up a scenario where an extremely popular piece of legislation is being thwarted by him personally, yeah. right? And that I don't people see that they they're not dumb, like, right? They see that this is happening, and eventually he's going to be responsible for it one way or the other. Uh, if yeah. he's deporting dreamers, right? Yeah. Um, if he's doing it because the Democrats made him, then he looks weak, right? Right. Uh, and if he's doing it because he that's what he secretly wanted all along, then he's just a cruel shithead, right? Yeah. And either way, is a terrible, terrible way to be president. It's gonna there's gonna be repercussions, uh, global ones. It's gonna be a big deal. It's gonna we're, he's gonna be creating an American refugee crisis, which is yeah. I wouldn't crazy. go that far. I uh, but I do think that it's. By setting up this sort of a hard line and, a, uh, and in some ways not being sort of the Nixon to China of immigration, right? Like the tough-talking president who can actually form some sort of reasonable negotiation, sure. which was sort of the hope against hope with what was going to happen with Donald Trump. Um, by, again, siding with his, the hard line on immigration, I think he's he's made it impossible, right? Because yeah. I think the problem is that the Democrats have swung way to the left and have become unified over immigration. Mm -hmm. And there's a solid romp of the, of the Republican Party that wants to put forth some sort of middling negotiation. Yeah, and, I mean, you say he's made it impossible. He has made it possible for the Republicans to truly and courageously fuck him. Yeah. I mean, he's made it totally possible for that. Like, right. So they could put, you know, like a lot of juice into a bipartisan compromise, right? Like, Ryan could make that floor vote happen, right? Yeah. And then he's got to veto that bill, right? Right. That's, and that would be even worse than stasis, right? That's, but, like, that's catastrophic. Right, but I just don't think that the Republican Party is up for that. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how, thing, how hot things get. I also want to kind of revisit the thing where Kamala Harris sort of broke with the party and voted against the bill. And, um, I, you know, you brought this up before in previous podcasts, but the idea is that... It's not an when an individual senator makes a vote. It's yeah. not because it's very rarely the McCain shooting down health care at the last minute. Yeah, that it's, was, it's that was historic, right? <laughs> that's really rare. You yeah. vote with your caucus, and yeah. if you don't have enough votes, then you're then certain people are allowed to make a grandstanding yeah. opposition. Right? Especially she's a junior senator, right? Like you're just not she, you're just not allowed to do that, it's right? Like not done right yeah yeah so the so schumer i think has been effective about organizing his part of the party mm -hmm. and allowing enough of the junior people to make a stand if in if it doesn't actually endanger the bill right yeah and that's usually what happens you vote as a block if you can make the votes then everyone gets in line if not then you're allowed uh quote unquote dissent that is maximizing whatever your appeal to the base or some other aspect of that the party wants to have maximize yeah, absolutely. and that's what happened here and I, I think it's great i think carmel harris is a great representative for like hardline immigration that's fantastic mm -hmm. that's so one of the things that is interesting news is that trump's poll numbers have actually climbed a little maybe yeah. two or three points so now it was 35 37 now it's around 40 um and the generic ballot type votes are actually narrowing in the favor of Republicans. Uh, Democrats still have about a three or four point margin where I think they had like a 10 point margin uh, previously. Um, so what do you think about that? Uh, I think that's great news. I want it to seem like a tight race, but this isn't about who's voting. It's about who's enthusiastic to vote. Right. It's not about what people say on the phone. It's right, about right. whether they're going to get up and do it. And yeah. That's a, mid a midterm. So I, they, they t they're probably going to be 10 points ahead, and I still wouldn't take that bet. I right. Mean, it's it's just, you know... It, it's, it's this midterm in particular. Yeah. In general, the Republicans have a strong reliability in terms yeah. of voting um, right. for midterms, but I think there's no way, I think... Yeah. 
it's but very, I love I love the narrative of it tightening. I mean, mm. please, by all means, get out there and vote. It, you know, I, I hate the, the like news out there that it's a ten point race. Jesus Christ, like that's terrible. Yeah, at the same time, there's some. Um, so those are polls, right? And those yeah. polls are somewhat indicative. But at the same time, we've also seen some special elections that have broken the Democrats' yeah. way. So like, there's there's still momentum, and I think when you see how special elections are, the voting record of certain districts or certain constituencies versus um, either. Hillary's record, or maybe some uh, 2012 elections. I think the Democrats are still up a good six or seven points. That's a uh, six or seven points, maybe even more. So yeah, I think they're far past the threshold for it to s- spread out, for it to flood, right? yeah, uh, and take take districts that ordinarily wouldn't go that way. The Senate and, race is still interesting, and and the Republicans are sort of screwing themselves because there have been a lot of retirements. I yeah. think a lot of quote-unquote centrists, even I guess if you count Trey Gowdy as a centrist, <laughs> or at least someone with principles, uh, skewed as they are, I actually think that anyone from South Carolina punches above their weight. Oh, absolutely. South like, Carolina's er- a terrifying steer. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I think, I think like, like congressmen from like South Carolina act like they're senators. They have that much weight. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, Especially so Trey Gowdy is, is, is stepping down, and yeah. I think that opens up uh, a seat that would, I mean, in South Carolina still, but it's incumbency is uh, important, right? I mean, like, here's something else. He could be, you know, attempting to be part of the Haley campaign <laughs> in another two years. Yeah, I mean, he, uh, you know, he, I mean, he could be <laughs> AG, right? Yeah. Yeah, he'd be. There's a, also that. Yeah. yeah, I think AG, yeah, so Attorney General. So. You think he's lined up for that? All right, yeah, that would be just so. It's too soon. Like that just seems so sick, right? Yeah. <laughs> like they try to do that, it just seems like too obvious, right? Well, it depends on it depends on if, if Trump wants to run, run again. I think he may. Yeah. And uh, he may actually get primaried. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think he's not. I think he's gonna let himself get primaried. Yeah. He's gonna start leaking terrible poll numbers. <laughs> he's everybody. Like, he's gonna I'm re- the worst Republican in the race. He's like, gonna. Re- <laughs> he's, he himself is gonna like release his like Hollywood access tapes yeah, or like yeah. all the outtakes from The Apprentice where yeah. he uses. Garbage do like, language. Do like a round of you know of high fives to everybody for the tax bill and the Supreme Court pick. If he does yeah. nothing else for the next three years except make liberals mad, he's done his job. And I think yeah. he knows that now. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, no. yeah. He really doesn't have to do anything. Um, so okay, the poll numbers were interesting. Um, yeah, anything else you want to talk about in terms of? either uh, presidential policy. Well, last week you were floating a compromise, and I guess I put the same question back to you. Like, what compromise should the Democrats take, you know? Like, given that they're, you know, Trump is going to veto anything that isn't, you know, his four pillars. Right, interesting. So I think, um, I think at this point, like, I mean, the point of Democratic legislation is to troll Trump, right? Mm-hmm. So just kind of call his bullshit, right? <laughs> like, I mean, so we've, we've said this before, right? Like, you absolutely have to, like, you put up the legislation that is, you know, strengthening, like, uh, the Emoluments Clause, right? Yeah. Yeah, and just, so, just so he has to, like, vote it down, right? Mm-hmm. Um, all of these things that are like, oh, you know, you or the legislation that requires every presidential candidate to... Uh, release their tax forms, right? Not that it would affect Trump, but just so. <laughs> and I also think that you could... Uh, so, insofar as it doesn't seem like the Republicans are able to unify their own caucus to vote for something, um, I would do things where I would be like, I give you everything you want. I reduce... Um, I give you whatever, 25 gajillion for whatever border security. Yeah. Um, and I... Um, I cut down the numbers on chain migration. And I just replace them with legal migration. 
like legal, like like the other type of migration, and just call it bullshit. Like it would just be that. I would do that. I, I would form that. I'd be like, here, I have exactly what you want, but like in 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 letter, but not in spirit, right? Like I would I would double I would double total migration, cut out chain migration. That's what I would do. Because at this point, like I mean, I think last week there was some idea that if you wanted to, that the Republicans could maybe. Together, you could probably put together something that's compromised. But that's but and before Donald Trump said hard line, right? Well, now that he's drawn a hard line, now you just antagonize him. <laughs> what about this? What about this? Non-geographically located honorary American citizens, where people can be get American citizenship with passports, but they can't geographically locate <laughs> for five years. For five years, so yeah. there would be a delay in citizenship. So there'd be like tons of like. American citizenship uh, citizens in Mexico. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They and just live in Mexico. They just couldn't live in the U.S. for a while. Yeah, just to see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> if you can keep your nose clean in a different country for five years, then you're welcome to take your honorary American citizenship and come over here. Yeah, I, I, I don't see anyone backing that, but sure. Yeah, we want these people to become Americans, right? We yeah. all do in our hearts. Right. So, but we're afraid of them. Right. So let's give them, let's make it five years. Let's it takes five years. Five okay. years to be an American. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, on that note, uh, okay. So, uh, other than immigration, I, I did want to talk a little bit about the shooting that happened a couple of days ago. Yeah. Um, and you know, I was going back and I was listening to our podcast that happened right after uh, the shooting in Vegas, actually. Yeah. Episode number twenty-five. Um, <laughs> and so, I wonder if your thoughts at all have evolved or changed since then, because what you said effectively is that you wanted uh, gun control. To you meant taxation. Yeah. And uh, some sort of qualification or certification process. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Have you changed your mind at all? Not really. I mean, I still think that that is the aggregate way, the best way to reduce the amount of guns uh, and people that have them and people that purchase them in society to make them more special and totemic, to no. give them even more power, right? We want to reduce the amount of guns. How do we do it then? Right. You know, and I think and this is one of those, uh, one of these, like, I guess, causes, one of these um, pieces of politics that I'm actually pretty liberal on. Like, I, so I would be happy if you banned assault rifles, right? And uh, I would not care. Um, and well, we've, we've voted for that, right? With our feet. We live in a place where they don't exist, right? We've made that decision. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's to my mind, that's where, like, federalism kind of works in this particular issue. Right. It's a big one. It really is. Like, I would never want to live in a place where, like, people are walking around strapped. That's fucked up. You people are fucked up. Right. <laughs> it would not so, work in New York. It would work for one hour, and then we'd all be dead. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I but can't. I get it if you live in the middle of nowhere, right? And you're you're four yeah, minutes from yeah. a cop, right? Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I'm perfectly happy. Shotgun pistols, uh, yeah. hunting rifles. I know they can kill people. Yeah. Uh, but I also think that you know they're basic reasons to have a handgun, and with taxation yeah. and certification. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, with taxation certification, yeah, we could have my liberal dreams come true. <laughs> but. Have you ever thought about trying to repeal the Second Amendment? <laughs> I mean, or just following it as written, where reg- well-regulated militias can have firearms. <laughs> I mean, you know, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's not crazy to just be a lit- you know, literalist about the Second Amendment, like a literal constructionist. Right. Uh, 
I mean, the clause is there. If we want to read the sentence that way, I think we can. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let me let me play the devil's advocate here. Yeah, so, yeah. do you think gun ownership is a check on the tyranny of government? No, absolutely not. <laughs> no, zero percent. What about a check on authoritarian governments? I think it enables authoritarian governments. I think it helps. I think it's far easier to be someone who is weak and have your voice heard if nobody else has a gun around. Mm, interesting. Uh, I think, but America's very big. It's a big country. It's right. giant. And there's a lot of empty space in it, right? Yeah. And people feel afraid if they're in an empty space and don't have access to protection. That is why we have the Second Amendment still, in my opinion. That is the only valid reason. There is no city that should have, like, guns, right? Like, right. That makes no goddamn sense. That's a completely terrible idea, right? But that's not where every, not everybody doesn't live in a city. So you have people that live in rural areas. They should be able to arm themselves however they see fit to, so they can sleep at night, right? Yeah. Because it's probably weird to sleep at night in a country where, you know, in a country place without a gun, right? Probably mm. feel weird, right? Or at least insecure. Yeah, insecure. Right? I get that. I mean, I, the the breathing that I can hear next door of my neighbor, his you know, his shouting, his the cooking smells. I find them comforting, right? It's like there's somebody there. But if you had a gun, you'd shoot him. If I had a gun, I would kill him tomorrow. That's <laughs> <laughs> New York, right? Like, we should never have guns. I should, yeah, I shoot his yeah, ass dead. Yeah, but that's like that's the protection we have. Is yeah, like numbers, right? And yeah, check each other. But no. what, so what do you think? Do we repeal the Second Amendment? Do you think guns <laughs> prevent tyranny? I am really not convinced. And I've really tried. Yeah. And I feel like I I do push myself to listen to and read a lot of voices from uh, a different viewpoint, especially, but on the, on sort of the strict, like the strict Second Amendment pro-gun viewpoint i have yet to be convinced right i i i think the most i can i am willing to concede again that maybe you can you can have a handgun pistol uh shotgun kind of thing but wait a second you're already buying into a fallacious argument guns and for the second amendment were to protect people against slaves i mean that was why everybody needed guns right like i'm not i'm not even being facetious right like if you have slaves you fucking need guns right like everybody needs the right to bear arms right you have slaves, right? That's like why that was so enshrined into American culture, right? Like we had, you had, we had people well, okay, kept sorry. under the gun, right? Like I, I, I think that's historically somewhat inaccurate. I, I don't. I mean, it feels like that's how. I think what happened. So I think there, are, as after, with every after, okay, slave rebellion, right? right. Like, A- yeah. After, so I think as with everything, there are uh, if something exists now and yeah. has existed over time, it's because it's had multiple interpretations, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think in the beginning, really, there was this huge romance of what the militia did during the American Revolution, right. which was so- somewhat nonsense, right? Because sure. effectively, the American army didn't become effective until you had generalships and proper, and you had at least some of them functioning as a proper military unit, right? Yeah, also, we were an existential panel, right? Like, and, yeah. you know, England did march back in and burn down the White House. And, right. You know, it happened. Like, we needed everybody to stay armed, you know? Yeah, <laughs> so, uh, that, that's also true, but I think there was, again, a romance of the militia um, helped create the Second Amendment. I think at some point you see its interpretation vis-a-vis kind of slaves and whether or not even freed black men can have guns become really... It's very clear that at some point when the 
country was racked with racial issues and, and slavery. Not, yeah, and the na- Native American population. Well, right. right? Um, uh, Second Amendment fell along with it, right? Like, it, it fell down and uh, it came along to support the, I guess, white aristocracy at the time or white gun owners at the time. Like, it was really hard to... Uh, it's really hard to find sort of during during Reconstruction a lot of push to have uh, a lot of support local support for blacks to have guns. Yeah, right. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. So still, second, I mean, it's still true. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, that's still true. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I, I don't know what the ownership rates are like, but I, and I also think that again, it's it's geographic too, right? So like, people who live in rural America, regardless of race, are probably going to have a gun. Are much yeah. more likely to have a gun. Yeah, yeah, but that's the only. I buy that argument. I do. Like, okay, yeah, that's I agree the that. one argument I buy. But you know, and so I think that should be protected. We're not a small country. We're not like England. We're not, you know, like I, I think the 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 only counterfactual, I guess, like argument to, against that is what Australia has done, right? So yeah. they have managed to get rid of all their guns, right? Right. I, I think this is a semi. I mean, I think a lot of liberals point to this, but I also think that the gun ownership rates in Australia were far lower right um and just i mean you're talking about a country of hundreds of millions of rifles i mean it just yeah it's it's really hard to like it change will it should change come it'll change it'll come over a year so i think one of the things is that the democrats are reactive and don't have a long-term strategy except yeah. for maybe michael bloomberg <laughs> yeah. yeah which is take them out of cities yeah that's really fucking smart and you know i would add to that tax them yeah and you know create some sort of registration system yeah. like cars you know that's it dude. yeah How licensing yeah yeah even, yeah but like we need to know like each gun should have a unique pin number right? oh and i actually think that they should also have their ballistic signature yeah yeah on that's, file that's i mean yeah that's a great idea you know if you're killing somebody in self-defense you want people to know that you've done it right? yeah there should be no way to hide that right that's fair yeah why 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 would you yeah so that's the gun debate right? and i i don't know if, i don't know if i moved if anything I, i'm less and less impressed with the right or the pro-gun lobby or the pro second amendment if you're asking me like arguments I mean, if somebody puts forward a, a you know assault a gun banning assault weapons yeah you know, i'm sure yeah, i'm not gonna you can't i'm not gonna fight against it you know i'm not gonna I'm, i'll roll my eyes at it i don't know how much good it'll do yeah i also th- i also think it's somewhat ineffective if the ownership rate is all as high as it is right yeah, so yeah. so you'll still have those guns they'll still be sold right I, you're not taking them out of the system yeah if you're making them more precious without reducing them right theoretically i mean i i think but the the, the so you know i i really do think taxation and registration would limit the amount of guns like the you know amount of yachts there's mm. not as many yachts as there could be right yeah if guns were extremely expensive, people would be killing each other for the guns, right? <laughs> Which would be great, two birds with one stone. Instead of elementary school students getting killed, it'd be gun owners. <laughs> I'd be like, oh shit, I've got diamonds now. I have to protect my diamonds. I have to put them in a safe right. and hide them. They're my gun. It's like yeah. $2,000. Like, I don't want to fire that or take it out, right? Yeah. But, you know, uh, but that would hurt the gun lobby, I guess. <laughs> hurt gun manufacturers. Yeah. <laughs> it that, that's got to be the worst people on planet Earth, right? Like, oh, cigarette manufacturers. Yeah, but cigarette manufacturers, come on. Like, you know, I feel like there's a way in which you can sell cigarettes and not be like as bad, right? I, I 100% disagree. Disagree. There what is about, like, zero utility in a, a cigarette. You are paying, you are having people pay so they can kill themselves over time. Well, people are going to die anyway. What's the difference between that and like liquor manufacturers or like, you know, any any sort of I like, can, device? 
There's I, no other point to a gun, right? It doesn't, like, maybe if you hold it, you get, like, an erotic charge. But other than that... Hunting? Like, I mean, people are hunting with these guns. Like, that's... that's uh, no one's hunting with an AR-15. Yeah, but yeah or like, handgun, right? Like, yeah, I mean, so self-protection. Yeah, so, but that's, like, not... But literally, um, smoking multiplies, like, your adverse long-term health issues. Yeah, yeah. In a way that alcohol doesn't. I mean, depends, depends, for sure, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, anyway. All right. <laughs> so you're saying right. smoking's worse than guns? <laughs> yes, I still believe that. I still believe that. From That's North- the most liberal thing I've ever heard. I know. I'm from North Carolina. Yeah. They should be both good for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Bloomberg got you. Got you and he turned you. Sound- sounds like I'm from Chapel Hill. <laughs> yeah. No, no. One I mean, you're probably weird. No one from... should. No one should fucking smoke <laughs> or have a gun right. unless you literally live 40 minutes away from a cop. <laughs> then you know, I'm glad you have a gun if I'm visiting you. Yeah. Let's go shoot it. Yeah. But um, anything else about? Uh, so we have changed our opinion on guns. Not a job. Yeah, but like at this point, would we? Like you're, you know, in your 40s. I'm in my late 30s. Like, yeah. We've seen this so much. Like, yeah. How can you not have a concrete, firm opinion about guns at this point? Bad. It's like yeah. unfixable and changing. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. So I finished reading this week the uh, the Senate Foreign Relations Committee report on uh, Russia's asymmetric warfare, uh, warfare on, in destabilizing Europe. Okay. Uh, the history of what they've been doing and then suggestions going forward about how America can learn from what they've done and yeah. what's been effective in Europe and what hasn't been. And uh, I found it really interesting. It's not very long. It's well written, and everyone should probably read it. We paid a lot of money for it, yeah. so you know someone should read this fucking document. Right? Like, <laughs> this is it, right? This is yeah. what liberals care about most, yeah. according to Reddit. I think, right? Yeah. Like they care about Russia interfering in America. Well, like here it is, the document that we we you know we paid for and we got about yeah. like from the Senate Foreign Relations Committee about what to do. Right? Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. It it, it kind of talks about it. there's some there's some things in it I didn't know, mm-hmm. uh, which was specifically the USAID amounts that we're spending on various like countries in Europe to counter Russian propaganda. Yeah, uh, I guess we spend the most on uh, Bulgaria because they're a NATO country, yeah. and part of the EU, but right. Russia is you know constantly trying to peel them away. Right, right? Uh, we don't spend very much on the uh, countries that are sort of like in peril or in threat, like Georgia, Estonia, the Baltics. Okay. Uh, and the argument is that we should probably be spending way more, like on all of them, right? So let's say we spend a hundred million on Bulgaria, yeah. right? Uh, you know, we should probably triple that, and then you know, add the same amount into all these other countries that are you know under threat right? right because not only are they constantly being bombarded they're also the best line of defense we have against this right yeah it's not actually here that it's a problem i mean it is but it's far less of a problem uh because the aims are there right, right. whatever they're doing here is is for to rebuild this russian empire right, right. They, the chaos here creates an opportunity there right? yeah so creating a stronger line of defense there uh, reduces the amount of chaos here because they have to spend time fighting there. Right. We're not choosing our level, our place of engagement. Right? Right. I think that's a huge failure strategically. Right? Yeah. If we were spending more money and we had more forward operating centers there, directly for this problem, and yeah. you know, uh, you know, even just investment spending, I think we would see you know uh, far more returns, and it would be far more interesting. Yeah. We we get more information about how to do this kind of thing. 
uh, and that's just a huge problem that the Trump administration just isn't has no interest in solving, right? Right. Um, what else did you learn? What else did you think was interesting? Uh, it's in- it was interesting the extent to which the Nordic countries have sort of circled their wagons yeah. as a, as a citizenry, not as a state level, but as like citizens. Okay. Uh, they they call themselves like elves, uh, which is interesting. And they, it's like a hobby to like fight Russian propaganda, right? <laughs> okay? Because right. they're so annoyed by it. Because yeah. these are the Nordics, right? Yeah. And they, you know, there's no private school there. You know, yeah. like the critical thinking is like a sport, like the luge, right? right and there's yeah. like ten of them, right? Yeah. So they all know each other. They know it's, if it's your Facebook account or not. Right? <laughs> yeah. They know if it's Sven. It's not Sven, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's somebody pretending to be, you know. So it doesn't work there yeah, as right. well, right? Yeah. So they have infinite time. So actually, Russia's canceled a lot of their operations there, mm-hmm. and they only get involved when it's like something uh, they want, like. Yeah. Uh, Sweden was having a referendum about whether to do a deal with uh, Ukraine, like a trade yeah. deal, and then Russia swooped in and did a lot of crazy things that canceled this deal, right? Uh, so there, but you know that that's uh, it, it. But the citizenry is engaged. It's not they're not supine waiting for right. people to help them out. They're actually going after these things. They're, yeah. they're trying to you know they, they 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 do it in their spare time they just like find a russian troll and antagonize them to death it's, <laughs> it's like classic i'm sure yeah. they really enjoy it like uh, yeah elves fighting the trolls yeah, yeah. sure yeah yeah, yeah yeah it's very but it's that's that's kind of uh something that i thought i, I kind of hope will spread right All right uh, any other successful strategies i uh, the the strategy that we saw in france with macron mm-hmm. uh in, intentionally putting like fake documents in with all of his shit so in case it got hacked there yeah. would always be some fake discrediting information okay that's very brilliant right? yeah like never keep all your eggs in one basket anymore right. and always poison some of the eggs right. right also like you know based upon last year when i was reading fred kaplan's book offense is always better than defense right like you can't really win in defense you right. have to kind of go on the attack you have to what and what that can mean is uh not necessarily doing the same shit in russia but like uh, proactively trying to get people to think critically about at all times, right? Yeah. Just like teaching that skill. Like every time you teach that, if you teach that skill to somebody once, they do it. They, people hate being wrong, right? right? That's why they are believe in conspiracy theories because they were wrong about you know something once, and now mm. they like don't trust anything anymore, right. right? So as long as you can continue to like make them feel that pain of being wrong, they will start checking their sources more, right? Yeah. There needs to be more shaming of when people like put you know wrong information out there. Uh, and that's an active thing, and that kind of always bears fruit. You're creating another soldier, doing your work for you. You're kind of passing on the uh, antibody yeah. of uh, critical thought uh, with respect to these things. Interesting. But also, we just need to be like something that is brought up, like that the Nordic con- countries and the Baltic com- countries have that we don't is they're very cynical, right? Like, yeah. they have been beset on all sides by propaganda for you know hundreds of years right like yeah they've, they've always been trying to be peeled apart from by one faction or the other right and it's only in the past you know 50 years that they've had a union right that mm-hmm. matters at all right and so they are they their union is very precious to them in a way that has ceased to be precious to us it seems and uh we uh can learn from that yeah and become more cynical and not be as divided by outside forces if we choose Okay. Uh, I, I think it's a good document. It's yeah. a Republican document first and foremost. So that's also what's interesting about yeah. it. You know, it's like Corker's document, right? Yeah. Like so and Rubio, right? The those are the two big big names you've heard on the foreign relations right. committee. 
uh, I, I think everyone should read it, and uh, I think we should especially weaponize it to, you know, remind Trump that the Republican answered a lot of these things, right? right. Like what the Republicans are suggesting that he should be doing, right. and that he is failing to implement, you know, with the report that Corker made and Rubio made, yeah. as long as they're still senators. Uh, well, I will give it a read. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Hey, yeah, Do you have anything else you want to talk about here? No. No, I, I want to talk a little bit about the Middle East, but I th with the Middle East, I, I, I just think that there are a number of things going on, right? And uh, there are at least five players that I can think of that are, are stepping on each other's toes. Six, I guess, if you can count the Kurds as separate players. Yeah. And I think it's just ugly, and I'm happy every day that we haven't like launched into a serious war, right? Um, I don't have any great conclusions, but I think it's uh, it's just an, it's an ugly place. I think the politics are febrile. I think, I mean, even domestic politics are bad. I guess BB Benjamin Netanyahu is being investigated for corruption. Yeah. So he, uh, not to be cynical, but he has every reason to continue to pick fights with people he can win, right? Sure. But surprisingly, he's kind of picked a fight with Russia, which I, that's the big turn that's interesting to me, right? Yeah. Israel's kind of trying to own the Syrian war, and Russia has made it very clear that they already are there. Yeah. Like, and so what is that? It's like... Well, I read somewhere that I think it's a particularly unpopular war within Russia, not that that matters, yeah. but uh, maybe Russia, even though it may have a serious amount of military hardware and maybe even boots on the ground... Uh, it doesn't have a lot of backing yeah. to fight this war, whereas Israel can always talk about security and fighting Iran. Right? There's yeah. always some impetus to be, if not in your not in your backyard, but like in your neighbor's yard. Right? Whereas Russia really has no business. Right. But if so, that's the that's the calculus of it, right? So if Russia backs out because they don't want to get involved in the Russia-Israel war, right? Yeah. So it becomes Israel via Iran and Syria then uh, Assad is fucked, right? Like, the, how is he going to stay in power? Right? Yeah, I don't know how he's going to stay in power. I also think it's it's really interesting that for all the talk about how Israel is a, a neo-colonial state, which I don't really buy into, yeah. um, I think it's... I, don't, I, I like I don't, the term death cult, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> they don't seem like they have imperial powers, which is have inserted themselves into like the worst situation possible. <laughs> they seem to like love it, <laughs> but yeah, sure. I just don't. I don't know. I, I what are they going to? I mean, I, uh, when's the last time they held uh, the Golan Heights? Yeah, the Golan Heights, right? So. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I guess they could they could go back and create some sort of zone around something similar to the Golan Heights, but yeah. they have no real drive to become a colonizing force. Like I don't see them holding serious swaths of Syria. Now it's new, I don't know, new Canaan or something like that. Yeah. Um, so I don't I don't know what they're gonna do, right? Like I I don't know how you, they make this end without taking serious amounts of territory. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing if Russia's there in full force. It's another thing if it's Iran, and it became kind of Iran's sort of, like, proxy to play with. Yeah. Uh, so then that became a problem for Israel, so I can see why they care more, especially if Russia's mm -hmm. not going to be there. But then what's how's Assad going to stay in power? Because Iran doesn't even want Assad in power. So then yeah. there's a whole crazy situation there. It's just, like, totally soft, and there's everybody's killing everybody. We're not even talking about Turkey and the Kurds, right? That's a whole other situation. Right? Yeah, the third war that's happening. Over yeah, there, right. Uh, you have ISIS. You have U.S. for the yeah. ISIS. It's, it's a six to seven person yeah. shooting circle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
so it's a real nightmare and yeah any, anything can happen at any time but I will say though uh, so I, I don't have any great conclusions other than the fact that uh, I have one piece of happy news which is that Jacob Zuma was deposed <laughs> or sure. stepped down from South Africa <laughs> yeah, and Cyril yeah, Ramposa yeah. Yeah. is now in charge <laughs> it's certainly the person who should have been in charge over the past I don't know 10 or 20 years but yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm actually pretty happy with <laughs> with uh, what could happen to South Africa and maybe what could happen to Southern Africa. Not a nuclear power, by the way. Not a nuclear power. <laughs> uh, by choice. I, that's like, you learn that in Model UN. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure that's brought up every day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, at least on a on an upbeat note, South Africa's fortunes are looking up. Also, Germany has a government. So that's, that's nice. Yeah. That's no, nice for no, them. The Grand Coalition. Well, um, anything else? I uh, no, no, no. Uh, I think, uh, and uh, uh, and I guess for uh, random shit, you wanted to revisit our conversation on political beats. Oh yeah, I wanted to thank you deeply for your recommendation on the last podcast of uh, political beats. Okay, all right, great. I, think I listened to every episode. So the one thing that I would say about p- political beats is the music's so white. Oh well, yeah. I mean, like that's what's so fascinating about yeah. it, right? Like we're in a period where it's like white identity politics are in like huge, are in like crisis, right? Yeah. Like who, and that's what this show specifically about. Even though I don't think they know it, it's about <laughs> like trying to like excavate like when white people have done something good and like, <laughs> try to understand why and how and like how that works. Well, uh, you know, I, I white white men specifically, we should say. Uh, I don't think there's been yeah, there, women. Uh, there is not been a. F- female performer as far yeah. as i know it's all been white dudes right yeah uh white americans i think uh, they did pulp oh they did pulp. oasis, oh, they did oasis yeah. right so i don't know if i buy into the the conscious white man i don't, I don't think it's conscious narrative. i just yeah. think it's like you know because they're asking people for their favorite bands yeah but they just happen to be asking reporters who and you know predominantly lean right but they mix it up a little yeah. bit you know and they had uh, James Jane Costen, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she shows Nine Inch Nails, <laughs> right. it's a, which was awesome. Like that's an awesome episode. Right. It's her. They had never listened to Nine Inch Nails before. Have you listened to that one? I haven't listened to that one. Yeah, yeah. they'd never listened to Nine Inch Nails before. So she's like, it's like this like millennial like black lady teaching uh, two like conservative, not particularly conservative, like, you know, conservative politically, but yeah. not socially. Yeah. Guys about Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. And they, they, they come around, like, they really like it. I think <laughs> it's the only time that the guy refers to, like, calls the guy, like, an outright genius, like the performer. So oh, wow, well, that's I, cool. I felt some vindication. <laughs> okay. But, yeah, right. yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's a great part. Everybody should listen to it. It's really interesting. Yeah. I think, and what, what I think is most interesting about it is it, uh, it's like, it's also they're trying to do what uh, like conservative critical theory, right? Like no, none of this bullshit. Like context, right? No, like no stories about the performer. Well, yeah, I, I think it's called formalism, right? Yeah, it's yeah, a formalism. It's right, yeah. Right, so right. conservative. Yeah, I guess you could call it conservative conservative critical theory it's much because more about people, certainly mad people in you know uh, liberal arts departments are mad about the, the amount of time that is spent on like Foucault style like context yeah which is terrible yeah right? yeah uh and so but it's interesting to see it done because yeah. it creates like a weird like they have to just talk about like what songs are good and which ones aren't right? yeah and like therefore which albums are good and which yeah. ones aren't Without ever saying, like, you know, I like this because I got laid to it. You know, it's like, and, you know, so they never talk about, like, sex or politics with respect to music, which but I would say... They actually, because of the the podcast sponsors, they can't actually curse on the podcast. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. 
But yeah, so uh, they do talk about sex and politics in R.E.M. and and the guy's like uh, Jeff, I think I forget yeah. his last name, but it starts with a B. But he says he says effectively like, oh, I'm a pretty conservative guy, but like, yeah, the, I mean, I was I w- the lyrics alone. I mean, yeah, of course, I'm outraged with whatever Michael Stipes is outraged <laughs> and like talks about how you know, and he talks about the sexual undercurrents in a lot of R.E.M. songs, which are. Uh, sort of below the surface and sort of well marketed. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it's. I'm glad you liked it. I, uh, no, it's amazing. It's really, really good. But yeah. I guess I was going to say to its credit because they 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 uh, they deny themselves these like easy touchstones for cultural criticism. Yeah, make you lazy. To. Yeah. Uh, they have to talk about the music with such like technical fervor yeah. that it's like kind of glorious to listen to. It's right. Like, uh, I I, I kind of can listen to anybody talk about what they're passionate about. Yeah. Uh, forever, and it's this is a great example. Of yeah. Uh, so I recommend it. It's uh, you know find a band you really hate or you really like and listen to them dissect it one way or the other. Yeah, I mean there are only about fifteen episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting too because of the timing, right? So he, he like he lists Pavement as one of his bands that he yeah. to go to. So that was a hallmark of my adolescence, um, and but not like the Beatles or the Stones or like you know it's just yeah. not someone else's generation, right? Yeah, so he did. They get to skip over things like Prince, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, who I guess maybe the discography is too much, um, yeah. or, or maybe, uh, or any rapper for that matter. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, we'll see. But. Yeah. Uh, so when they come out, I think I'm going to call bullshit when they come out with their uh, review of the Killers <laughs> before they come out with the review of like Run DMC. <laughs> or, I mean, they can even go meet me halfway and just do the Beastie Boys. Yeah. Well, I mean, Public Enemy. Come on, yeah. like it's 2017. Like you got to do Public Enemy, right? I mean, how can you not talk about Public Enemy? Yeah. I, anyway, so what would what would uh, your we I, I, we talked we texted about it, but what would your your pick be if you went on this show? So I think I would go even a little bit more obscure. So the the bands that I would like to follow their discography on, yeah, or actually yeah. the because they go through like album by album, about, album by an, yeah. album historically, yeah. right? Like <laughs> in yeah, order, in order, <laughs> which um, is deranged, by the way. Who listens to music like that? that yeah, and so uh, uh, so I actually love that they they would have stolen one of my ideas, which is the Monkees, which is a, yeah. probably the one that hooked me in. Um, it's so good because it's such an underrated band. Um, there are bands I would really like to have, I think, have had an interesting evolution, right? Um, but they're probably North Carolina bands, actually. So either Superchunk, who actually haven't evolved. But I would actually say my first one would be Eric Bachman or Crooked Fingers, who's this guy who started in a band called Archers of Loaf. He was kind of the front man, um, which was like kind of this indie punk band. And now he s- sings sort of like... Solo, soulful songs. Um, he has like a great covers album, um, but that's I think way too obscure. Sounds white. He is super white, <laughs> super white. So this is why I can't fault them. Like I'm not. I know that's what I mean. It's like it's not intentional. Right. Yeah, but I mean, if you talk about '90s rock, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. na- na- name me the bands of color. <laughs> yeah. No, it's Hootie and the Blowfish. In yeah. The no, list. it was it's not not indie rock. Yeah. Yeah. In the, yeah. yeah. And like yeah yeah oh I guess um, Tracy Chapman but yeah yeah not indie rock um I think it's only like uh, helium polvo Sepultura it's not really <laughs> indie yeah. rock yeah uh, <laughs> well there was a guy there was a guy in Soundgarden the bassist was a, was a oh Rage Against the Machine I'm yeah. surprised they haven't done Rage Against the Machine actually but how do you not talk about politics with Rage Against the Machine yeah <laughs> um, and also they've got like the guitarist for No Doubt is yeah. Indian. 
I only know the Indian. <laughs> Smashing pumpkins. Oh, right, right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's rough. It's rough. <laughs> I would just do a review of, like, Indian guitarists. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hope you have prepared. prepared. We're getting deep. <laughs> well, at this point, they dropped the guitarist, so I stopped listening to the band. I'd probably do Tom Waits, just because uh, fucking yeah. Tom Waits. Because all of his albums are the same. I would, you know, actually, the person I would love to do, because I'd have to do research, Pink. Oh, okay. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, yeah I would do Pink. Pink's amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan, and yeah. I, I, uh, I've i always kind of defended her as the anti-Britney, and for that reason, she's awesome. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and she writes her stuff, and so yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it would be interesting. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, Pink would be mine. All right, so if you're out there, political beats, and you're you're not pissed off by our uh, analysis, though it is, I've listened to every episode except <laughs> REM. Yeah, uh, you know, so uh, we'll go on your show. I will do Tom Waits, and Kamala will be Pink, <laughs> <laughs> and Eric Buckman. Eric Fox. Well, sorry about that. <laughs> I can talk about that show for like an hour. Yeah, yeah we should actually. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you, everyone, for yeah. listening to episode 37 of Ruben Requirement. Uh, and thank you, Kevin Carter, for uh, recording our outro music. And don't forget, if you're in the city, we are going to have a live show on February 23rd. Yeah, it's seven, 7.30 is when the show starts. We probably won't go on until 9, but you should get there yep. at 7.30 if you want to get a seat. Okay. Uh, and that's in Baby Castles. Yep. All right. Thanks, everyone. Yeah.